0: Thank you for tuning into Holistic Finance, where we promote financial balance and financial health. Our mission is to simplify your finances so you can focus on your practice and enjoy life. Now, here are your hosts, Ryan Burklow and Alex Collins.
1: Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Holistic Finance. I'm your host, Ryan Burklow. With me today, I've got a very special guest. Um, his name is Dr. Robert Kochko. He's a physician and an advocacy leader in fields of naturopathic and integrative medicine. I know shocker on this podcast to be talking about naturopathic physicians and integrative medicine. Um, he's served on several in uh, several advisory boards, and he's currently the president of the American Association of Naturopathic Physicians. And in light of what's going on in today's world and all of the things that many of you are struggling with and wanting answers to and trying to protect your practice and still grow your practice i thought it would be very very important to have him on today's podcast so dr Kotchko welcome welcome to the show
2: ryan thank you for having me it's it's an absolute pleasure and thanks for the work that you guys are doing you know when i think about finance um, you have to consider it from all angles and that's what we do as NDs, we take this holistic approach this comprehensive, what I would describe as a biopsychosocial approach. Um, and so I'm always intrigued as to how we can apply that methodology to other ways of, of thinking about the world. And, and certainly it sounds like you guys are doing that. So thank you for your work as well. Very welcome, it's, it's
1: our pleasure. Um, I don't know if you know this, we actually didn't speak about this prior to um, us hopping on here, but the reason that I'm so passionate about working with you all and helping you all is um, my son had a stroke in utero and through that experience um, working with uh, different medical doctors mds um, it was it was very frustrating going through all the things that they were trying to almost ran down our throat at least it felt that way and i realized that that's not the case with every medical doctor that's out there i'm just saying that that's my experience with with what occurred and so we went through to a couple different other more holistic approach. And that really was extremely beneficial, extremely valuable, um, as well as soothing, if you will, right? <laughs> it was just nice to the way that you interacted with with myself and my family and my child was way different than the other the other side of things. And so that's why I do this show. And that's why we actually want to help the uh, mm-hmm. the community. So I wanted to thank you for what you do in general.
2: Yeah, well, I appreciate that that background. I think as healthcare providers, we have sort of a, a minimum requirement to meet our patients where they're at and to be able to listen and to be able to help them feel like they're being understood. That's a minimum. But then beyond that, the way I described sort of the difference between you know, when people should choose naturopathic medicine or going a more conventional route or or somewhere in the middle of integration, is I don't think that there's necessarily one type of medicine that's right or wrong inherently. The way I view it is it's the it's the right approach for the right person at the right time. And so, you know, I've I've been I think known to describe maybe all too many times. I hope it doesn't become a self-fulfilling prophecy, but if I go get hit by a bus, don't send me to a naturopathic physician. Send me to the emergency room, help me stay alive, right? Right. Um, But if I've got a a modifiable chronic disease like type 2 diabetes, like heart disease that's a result of lifestyle factors, like Alzheimer's, which I do a lot of work on, if I've got chronic pain, which requires a comprehensive approach, that's where naturopathic medicine shines because beyond just meeting the patient where they're at and forming a strong therapeutic relationship, which fortunately we have time as NDs, we spend a lot of time with our patients. It's been an hour and a half uh, on first visit, so that just affords me that luxury. But um, beyond that, um, we are considering all of the factors that brought people um, into that into that you know doctor's office at that moment in time. Yeah,
1: but well, thank you for that clarification. I didn't, I wasn't trying to denigrate the different like either side. It was more of just different experiences. And you're 100% right. The integrated medicine, right? Like let's let's integrate the, the two sides and <laughs> make sure. Yeah. That
2: we're looking at it holistically so
1: well i've already derailed us on, on my current path that i had for but you know i felt you know i wanted to share that
2: with you context is everything ryan so <laughs> it's helpful
1: so you know let's i always love asking this question because I, I like hearing the stories um hopefully our listeners do too but what is it that made you want to become a naturopathic physician
2: yeah i'll uh, i'll give you the, the short version of that pretty long story but I think a common thread for at least my classmates in naturopathic med- medical school was that um, we all had a, a positive experience with the medicine, either for ourselves or for someone we loved, um, and it opened, you know, it opened our eyes. And and I think a great testament to that is a lot of people go in. Um, for second careers, which is often, you know, the threshold barrier to entry is much higher if you're you're uprooting your family, moving across the country and starting a second career and going to medical school for four years. Um, My experience was a little bit different. I sort of took the more classic route. I went straight from undergrad into naturopathic medical school. But I think that's because my positive experience was so much earlier in life. Um, When I was in high school, I was an EMT. Um, I was always interested in medicine. And, you know, your role there as an EMT is, get someone to the hospital, keep them alive. But I was always struggling with this this challenge that I didn't get a sense of people's story, right? Like we talked about those modifiable risk factors. Of course, if someone had a motor vehicle accident, there's not much of a story there unless they were intoxicated. You get them there, you keep them alive, and then you address um, the recovery afterward. Mm -hmm. People who were coming in um, with heart attacks and strokes and other diseases that not always but often are a factor of lifestyle i wanted to get a sense of their story i wanted to know what what it was what the antecedents were that brought people into that moment Um, so i was already feeling that i was feeling a need to connect with people and sort of understand on a deeper level and around the same time actually when i was learning to take pulses as an emt we discovered a, a cardiac arrhythmia for me so i was you know 17 years old not a great thing to find in a 17 year old um, we went to a couple of cardiologists. Um, you know, the, the the story, unfortunately, was, well, you know, as long as you're not fainting right now, good. Come back if you ever do and avoid caffeine. And that wasn't enough.
1: Avoid avoid caffeine.
2: <laughs> avoid caffeine, right. I, and I love chocolate. They even told me to not eat chocolate. So. Oh. Um, so we ended up going to actually a Chinese medicine practitioner who I would say practiced in a very naturopathic-like way. He didn't do any acupuncture. didn't even use um, Chinese herbs or anything like that Um, to this day I don't know exactly what it was that that the regimen that he he put me on but two months later went back to the cardiologist and the arrhythmia was gone and they couldn't quite explain it and they they, they did the comment you know keep doing whatever you're doing we're not sure why it went away, Um, which you know, of course, I was thrilled, but it also opened my eyes to the fact that there are other approaches to the body. And and so on that journey, I probably read, you know, I said way too many medical anthropology books for an 18 year old kid at the time. I just, um, I really dug into understanding that there are many ways to look at the body, and that the way that felt most innately correct for me was the one that um, honored our physiology and worked with our biochemistry and our physiology. And and when I found naturopathic medicine which allowed me to be a physician, allowed me to stay in the medical world, but to do so on the terms that felt more intuitive to me. Um, Yeah, I I didn't really look back after that.
1: I I don't know that I've asked that question and didn't hear a personal story in some version, either themselves or a family member uh, inside of the naturopathic community. And it's just, I don't know, every time I hear the story, it's just, I think that's why I love working with you all. It's just yeah. so. <laughs> We're like certainly such inspired by <laughs> There's such a sense of purpose, and that's what I love. So awesome. Yeah. So, so let's talk about this this association, right? The American Association of Naturopaths. Um, many, many of our listeners are probably members, and many are maybe even thinking of becoming a member. Um, so what's the association's mission?
2: Sure. So the ANP, the American Association of Naturopathic Physicians, we are the national national um, advocacy association representing, you know, we say 8,000 some odd um, NDs across licensable NDs across the country. And so it's worth pausing on that. When I say licensable, it means naturopathic physicians or naturopathic doctors, depending on the state where they are, who went to an accredited a CNME accredited four-year naturopathic medical school. Um, you can go on ANMC.org if you're not an ND to find out you know what those schools are and, and what that would look like. But um, we represent those licensable docs um, on multiple levels. You know, At our core is always uh, federal and state advocacy. And so on the federal level, it's inclusion in things like uh, Medicare coverage and working with the VA and things like that. Um, and I'll just pause on the Medicare piece. We're working on that right now. You know, Ryan, you and I are recording this at the time of COVID-19. Um, and it's really highlighted the need for having a strong national voice because as NDs, um, we're not always recognized in federal programs. Medicare is one of those programs. And the challenge is people think, well, I don't want to take Medicare. They don't pay very well. It's, it's fine, I don't need that. Right. it actually is much more broad than that in the sense that you know when, when states put out say emergency orders like they put out in different areas and, and they came out and said, well, we need physicians. Like I'm in New York City. So he said, New York State said, we need physicians coming in from all over who are licensed in their state because we have a shortage and we we have a need here. Um, NDs couldn't answer that call. And in part, it's based on the definition of physician in different states. Very often, states are using the Medicare definition. And so on a federal level, we advocate on behalf of our profession to make sure that we have a seat at every single table so that we are a part of the Um, evolution and integration of medicine. On the state level, pretty clearly, we work on either state licensure or scope expansion in the states to make sure that NDs have the capacity to serve their communities um, to the full scope of their primary care level training. So that's the advocacy front. Um, We also, at our core, are a membership association. So the way I describe it is our job is to make membership in the association an absolute no brainer. Again, we're recording this in the time of COVID nineteen, and that means people are stressed about their finance, right? This is a holistic finance um, podcast. People are stressed about what this is gonna do to their patient load, people are stressed about their expenses and their rents and you know other types of overhead. Um, we are doing everything we can as the ANP to be able to support our members so that they can navigate this as effectively as possible. And I'll just sort of use one example. Um, Right now, people are getting a lot of questions about interactions with medications and what's safe for COVID and coronaviruses and things like Uh. that. Well, as A&P members, you have access to the Natural Medicines Comprehensive Database for free as part of your membership. That right away, that cost cuts into your member dues. And so I recommend people use that if you are members and if you're not members to consider that as a member benefit. Um, We also have find an ND function that really puts puts patients in in the seats of naturopathic doctors. And so there's a lot of ways, you know, if you go on naturopathic.org and you see our member benefits, there's a lot of them. Um, And truly, if you take advantage of them, membership becomes a no brainer and we're always adding, um, especially right now in terms of coronavirus, we're always adding um, new member benefits that are um, appropriate for this day and age. And then I think the third category of the work that we do is Intra and interprofessional collaboration. So when it comes to working within the naturopathic profession, we've got 86, I think, some odd organizations. That's state associations and specialty organizations like our ONC and and PDA and We have a lot of organizations that we have to work with. Um, and A and is a house of delegates, and we're always trying to find ways to um, work best together to do this so effectively and efficiently, where we're not duplicating efforts and things like that. Um, but ANP really has to get a national voice so that there's cohesion across our profession. We need to make sure that as we take leaps forward as a profession, we're doing so in a way that's honoring the work that everyone's doing. So that's a, a core part of our work at the ANP, um, but also interprofessional with other allied health professions. Um, you know, we sit on the Integrative Health Policy Consortium, we're involved with multiple groups to make sure that as, again, advances move forward um we are represented there you know one of the probably most classic examples is we send representatives every every year to the cpt guidelines meetings where where the right. decisions are made as to you know insurance reimbursement um we've been leaders um on that front for a long time and so i'm very thankful our docs that have been going out for for years now um and so without a strong national voice in terms of mission um, none of that would be possible Unfortunately. Um, and so I understand as, as president, you know, on the one hand, that's a soft sort of idea, right? That's a soft skill is, you know, of course I'd love to give to our National Association to be a member, but I have to be, you know, making X amount of dollars in my practice. There's some realities. And so it's, it's two things in parallel it's supporting the profession and, and relying on people understanding that we need a strong national voice so that our medicine gets where it needs to go, um, but also offering those member benefits as the foundation to, to keep people um, understanding how useful it is to be a member.
1: And I got to think, and I think this is built inside of everything you just said. I mean, first of all, everything you all are doing, like, <laughs> I'm not an ND, but I w- I want to donate my, my, <laughs> my money because, right, and, and I have, you know, I, I put my money where my mouth is um, for for helping everything that you all are doing for for the community. Um, but to add to that, it, if I were an ND, um, and I wouldn't have the soft skills that you have, so
2: you probably wouldn't want me as an ND. But, <laughs> but hey, like I said, second careers, Ryan. It's, you know, <laughs> it's never too late. Yeah, possibly.
1: But having a community, because you know, it, I'll take it from my side of things. Uh, you know, I'm in the financial services, financial planning. We're very, while we have these different associations that we can be a part of, we're also still, we're running our own businesses, just like you all are running your own businesses. And it's so easy to get lost in your own business, both negative and positive. And you you need that sense of community sometimes to help bring you, bring you back up or even bring you back down because maybe you're getting too big for your britches in terms of, right, like where you're going with things. You know, maybe it's just over your head and you don't realize it. And so the the community, at least from outside looking in that I've experienced and everything that you are doing, that's a huge, huge benefit that I would think that would be yeah. something I would wanna join.
2: Well, the the truth is being a, especially a solo practitioner out in a state where there's not a lot of NDs. And, and frankly, even in states where where we have a lot of NDs, there isn't always a lot of you know collaboration and getting together within the local communities. But without a doubt being a solo, business owner and doctor and family member and all those things, it can be pretty isolating because um, we're pretty unique as NDs, and and a lot of our friends don't really even understand what we do. And Thanksgiving dinner might be pretty interesting, always having to explain what naturopathic medicine is, right? We're doing that Um, and and that can be pretty isolating in and of itself. I've actually been working on a healthcare technology startup that works on the role of social isolation as it contributes to health outcomes. For our patients, but it's also true for doctors. It's also very true that if we're isolated, we can't give of ourselves and we can't be of services effectively um, as we would otherwise. And so I've, I've been very thankful. I've been involved with A for ten years now. Um, I've been very thankful to have A and P meetings on my calendar. It's something I can look forward to. You know, I go to the D C flyer, D C federal legislative initiative every year that I can. It's um, usually in in the in the spring. Uh, I go to our A and P conference every single year, and that I leave rejuvenated. I leave rejuvenated because I learned some new things, and I learned on the one hand how to advocate, and on the other some clinical tools. But I also feel rejuvenated, and I feel like my cup is filled up because I see I see my people, I see my community. You know, I've always described uh, naturopathic medicine as like a second family, and and there's nothing like getting together. Um, so yeah, and I should I should at this point make a plug for our conference. That's coming up in July. That unfortunately, I'm talking all about in-person connection. Um, we right. have been forced because of COVID for all the you know right reasons to move this thing to a virtual experience. However, we're going to be doing some really unique things to ensure that um, though it's virtual, it's not going to be just you know hopping on GoToMeeting or Zoom calls and just kind of listening. Listening there, it will be very interactive. Um, we're even talking about doing local and regional watch parties. People can get together in the states and in the regions where it is safe to do so. And so we are going to be encouraging people to get together in person because of the value of that community. Um, But even just the the online only portion will be much more interactive and and I hope will contribute to that community feel as a, you know, as um, not a placeholder, but as a way to continue that um, the the positive inertia that we have at the conference every year so that we can get to next year and it doesn't feel like it's been a two-year gap.
1: Right. Yeah, I've seen this day and age, the, the virtual meeting has all of a sudden blown up in terms of having to engage because of this. And while, you know, most of us would probably rather do it in person, you know, you all have done a really good job of really engaging people virtually, which is difficult to say the least. So you guys, you all have done a really good job. So kudos for that.
2: Yeah, I appreciate that. And we made a choice really early on that this, you know, as a membership association, we're always beholden to our members first and foremost. However, um, this moment in time with everything going on with the COVID-19 pandemic, very clearly from the beginning, even like you guys, and thank you again for for doing that, um, the webinar you did for us—that was like early days—and even before that, <laughs> which we wasn't knew, that long ago, right? It's changed so much. It's just feels it like a year ago. It's insane. But, um, we knew early on that if we can't support the whole community to get through this together, um, we might people are going to be struggling. Um, and so, you know, the, the decision was everything we're doing is for both members and non-members um, right now, as it relates to to the COVID response. And so, my hope is that um, that has also sort of brought people together and understood that um, we're stronger if we work together. It's, it's pretty simple.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So in terms of the profession, right, like, I mean, just in the, the couple of years that, that I've seen, um, there's been a lot of change in, in the growth of the, of the community as well as the profession. Where, where do you see, you know, in the next three, five years here, where do you see this going?
2: Yeah, so I, I think, Medicine right now across the board and specifically telemedicine is changing. Like I think they've said there's been like 10 years of progress happening over the course of six weeks or something like that. And so right. things are always evolving. Um in the sense that's not really true. When you look at just medicine in general, we would always say medical knowledge doubles every seven years or so. Um the last, you know, in 2019 they were saying by 2020 it was gonna be doubling every three months because we're generating so much more health-related data, we're understanding moving into this direction of precision medicine, right? So if I look at medicine in the future, it's it, it will be precise, personalized, individualized, participatory, all these things that naturopathic medicine is now. However, as NDs, core to our work is the understanding that we have to build relationships with our patients, that behavioral change is difficult, that the things we know contribute to sustainable health outcomes, are not easy. Um, And so those relationships that we form with our patients and our communities, um, I think will influence the way our medicine evolves alongside this push towards precision medicine where, frankly, Ryan, you're going to talk about three or five years, within five years, you're going to go to your doctor probably unless the whole world changes with COVID, they're going to have your, you know, um, genetic information, they're going to have your blood work. Um, you're gonna put your symptoms into a symptom questionnaire, you're gonna get a really precise treatment and hopefully that'll include some of our naturopathic toolkit, but it won't be naturopathic medicine because mm. you can't just separate our modalities out and then, yeah. and then expect that the, the whole is the sum of all those individual parts. Naturopathic medicine will continue to shine because people are feeling a need to connect with healthcare professionals who understand them at their core. Understand the need to understand the root cause of their symptoms, who understand how to help them navigate um, life's trials. You know, one of the inspirations for me in the beginning when I was considering naturopathic medicine is I would talk to you know family docs who've been in practice for 30, 40 years, and they're like, Yeah, I've been treating this entire generation of families. That I think used to happen, you know, the family doctor who would show up at your door when you were sick and all that kind of stuff. We've maintained that. We've been able to maintain that because of our unique itemistic naturopathic philosophy that honors the body's inherent capacity to heal. As a profession, what we need to do, though, is be cautious to allow ourselves to adapt and evolve while still staying true to those roots, while still staying true to our naturopathic philosophy, because very honestly, that is what sets us apart. You know, you, you can't win a battle bringing herbs to a botanical or to a pharmacology fight, right? Like, mm, you know, yeah. if you use a botanical to replace a statin, the statin's gonna be more powerful, but it's all the other things that we do that make the botanical a core component of that work, right? And so um, my, my my concern is that on the one hand we won't adapt, and adapting is also validating the work that we do. You know, we know our medicine works, we need to continue to generate data and studies and um, ensure that we're publishing this information um, so on the one hand you know we need to be able to adapt and use the language that the medical system requires of us on the other hand I, I worry that sometimes as a profession we're always at risk of losing our way and losing that philosophy my sincere hope is that in five 10 20 years um, we find a way to have a unified voice because that's what's going to allow us to do both of those things you know, I've also been sort of, I've said before that one of our greatest strengths as doctors is our eclectic nature. You know, uh-huh. we, you go to 10 NDs, you're going to get probably 10 different treatment protocols, probably all 10 of those patients are going to get better in different ways at different paces. Um, that's a strength, the personalized individual nature of our approach. Our eclectic nature when it comes to advocating on behalf of our profession actually makes it a little bit of a challenge, right? Because you can't put out one unified message when people have different opinions on what. Right. You know, how you define the the best version of naturopathic medicine? Um, and so my hope is that we can generate a unified voice that respects all the different approaches to our medicine. Respects the fact that we're much more similar than we are different. Um, that you know that's a message that I, I really want. To to strike through it's not our modalities we talk about right it's how we use them and, and show me one ND that doesn't value the role of nutrition and the mind body connection and environmental impacts on health and social determinants of health show me one one ND you're not gonna find them if people disagree on certain modalities that's fine let's just re- respect each other let's let's move forward together understanding that we're more the same than we are different um, so that's a long way to say we're moving in the right direction if we can accomplish that last call of unified messaging with with the foundation of respect
1: Yeah, love it. I mean to your point, you know, you all have the foundation utilize that to, to unify and not uh, awesome that was That's impactful. Thank you for that yeah. um, You got me all jazzed. So thanks for that <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I gotta, I gotta ask you a financial question. This is a, f- a financial podcast, so, uh, sure. so the question that I'd like to ask often is, as me- you know, many of us were raised in in different households and spoke either about money or didn't didn't learn anything about money, right? Like money is a taboo topic, oftentimes, and so our upbringing oftentimes um, brings into different um, perceptions that we have around money different beliefs around money, different philosophies around money. What have you done? Let me let me actually rephrase it. What did you learn as a kid or in your background that you feel has really helped you uh, on the financial side of things, like really understanding uh, what money uh, can be used for inside of your practice?
2: sure that's a that's a great question um so i'm an immigrant um i was six months old we i was born in in, in the former u s s r but what's now odessa ukraine um we left there um basically left everything we had came here um and my parents worked hard. My dad went to work physically you know however many hours a day. Mm -hmm. Um, And he continued to do so for for all of his career. Um, My mother also worked hard. She was always innovating and working on new things. And I always appreciated the the value of hard work. I I remember as a kid, um, I dropped like a nickel or a quarter or something out of my pocket. um, And I didn't pick it up. I was walking with my parents and like, well, why didn't you pick that up? like, oh, it's just a quarter, you know, it's a quarter. What's, what's the big deal? I was probably like six years old. Um, and there was a real teaching moment for them to say, well, you know, when we came to this country, your father worked for you know, $3 an hour washing cars and, and doing all these things because every little bit matters. Huh. I also grew up in a very supportive household and I always felt a sense of safety. Um, and I think in a sense that created a, like a buffer around financial concerns and you know needing to work hard and all that, um, it ge- it gave me the freedom to take risks. I think, you know, to to go and go to medical school and take on student debt and to start a business and to um, be entrepreneurial in many ways. Um, so I think it instilled in me a comfort with taking risk. But the sort of the shadow side of that is always sometimes too much comfort with risk and low risk aversion isn't a good thing, right? And so I'm still navigating that. I'm still trying to navigate sort of what the right amount of feeling safe in my decisions is um, when it comes to impacting my bottom line in in terms of paying the bills and paying off student loans. And so um, I I think it was very impactful um, coming from that background. And what I've also understood is that those perspectives can change. They're not ingrained in us. It's, Hmm. um, you know, the narrative of our lives is never, um, static and it's always evolving based on new experiences we have and all that. And so I'm in the process. And I think a lot of people are right now in in the world of COVID-19 just exploring what, what I value, um, where I should be focusing my attention, um, how to make money in a way that also honors my need for life balance. Um, yep. All those things. And so I, I hope everyone who's listening is also taking um, taking this as an opportunity as terrible as it is. Um, to just look inward and, and sort of reevaluate what's what's important for them.
1: Love it. Um, that might be the perfect way to end this 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 episode. So, Dr. Kochko, thank you so much for your time. Um, if the indies that are listening that want to find out more information or are looking to join um, the AANP, w- what uh, website would you direct them to?
2: Sure. So our website is naturopathic.org. Um, you can go on there. There's a COVID-19. If you're looking for COVID-19 on the top right, there's a whole panel. Again, it's open to the whole community. We do have a couple of things that are um, only accessible to licensed NDs, but you don't have to be a member. Things like webinars, like you've participated in, um, things like our clinical resources that we've been putting out. So you just have to make an account, but it's you don't have to be a paid member. You just have to be a licensed ND uh, to access that. We have a membership section on that page. It'll go through all of our member benefits. Um, yeah, please check it out. We actually have a brand new website as of a couple months ago, so this was all very timely because um, our old website was a bit of a, you know, a bit of a mess. So it was a, it was just, you know, time to update it and, and we have. So awesome.
1: Awesome. But well, thank you so much again, uh, for those of you listening, make sure to check out that website. If you're looking to join or looking for more information as a resource, they are an awesome, awesome resource for you all. Um, So hopefully this podcast was valuable for you. As always, please make sure you share it uh, if you got any value out of this podcast, because that's the whole point of this podcast is to be that resource and you all can help with that. So thank you again, Dr. Kochka. Thank you. Thank you,
2: Ryan. It's been a pleasure.
0: Guardian, its subsidiaries, agents, and employees do not provide tax, legal, or accounting advice. Consult your tax, legal, or accounting professional regarding your individual situation. All investments and investment strategies contain risk and may lose value. Ryan and Alex are registered representatives and financial advisors of Park Avenue Securities, LLC. OSJ333. These products and advisory services offered through Park Avenue Securities, Inc. SIPC, financial representatives of the Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, Guardian, New York, New York. Park Avenue Securities is a wholly owned subsidiary of Guardian. Quantified Financial Partners is not an affiliate or subsidiary of Park Avenue Securities or Guardian.